This is the Renewing Our City podcast, session number five. City Podcast. This is the podcast that will help you share Jesus and serve others in your own neighborhood to around the world. I'm Matt Shaw, and I'm so glad to be your host today. Well, like I said earlier, this is the podcast that will help you lead others on the mission of God. As always, you can connect with me on Twitter at Pastor Matt Shaw or tweet using the hashtag RenewingOurCity. Also remember, you can find the show notes and more information about this episode at pastormattshaw.com forward slash 005. It is so great to have you today. Coming up in our feature interview is Carl Roberts. I'm going to interview Carl, and Carl has been a pastor for over 40 years. He works hard to fulfill the Great Commission in his own life daily, and I can be the testimony of that, that he loves to share Jesus with all the people around him. You know, the cool thing about Carl is he was my pastor growing up at the church I attended and uh, that I pastor at now, but also, you know, a lot of my desire for ministry, I would say, could come from him. He was so evangelistic and loved to share Jesus. Also, The second thing I want to tell you is, you know, he knows someone just about everywhere he goes, whether you're at a restaurant or you're at a football game, he is going to be, he's going to know a ton of people there. And, you know, because of that, I think a lot of it, he stayed in the same community almost his entire ministry. He's, he's going to give us some excellent ways on how we can share Jesus with those around us in our everyday life. But also, you know, he has a great voice for podcasting, so I'm sure you're going to enjoy it a lot. Also, I wanted to kind of mention before we start the interview is I'm going to be, uh, I'm really excited to be heading uh, tomorrow actually to Columbus, Ohio. I'm recording this kind of late at night trying to get it out before we leave, but we're going to be heading to the International Conference on Missions in Columbus, Ohio. And, you know, Chris and I are going together. We're so excited and it's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, Since having kids, we don't get to travel a lot together and she doesn't get to do a ton of ministry with me on the mission site because it seems like I'm going on trips or working with people and she just hasn't been able to because of small kids, but we're going to be spending some awesome time together. And, you know, she's excited to learn more about the mission of God, but, you know, probably most about networking with people and, you know, meeting some new friends. You know, I'm excited also I get to be a part of a missions ministers roundtable. We're going to be talking about uh, missions and and what we are doing in our church, but also, you know, to be around other guys in my situation is always cool. So I'll be reporting back to you on the next episode on how the conference goes, and I'll be hopefully bringing some very helpful information to you as well. So stay tuned for that in episode number six. Uh, If you want to meet with me at the conference or you're there in Columbus, Ohio, make sure you send me a message on Twitter or Facebook, you know, at Pastor Matt Shaw is my handle, and I would love, love to meet with you. Well, enough about me. Let's get into the feature interview with Pastor Carl Roberts. All right, I'm here uh, with uh, Carl Roberts, one of my favorite guys in the world. I just told him I wouldn't flatter him too much, but welcome to the show, Carl. Glad to be here. We're going to talk today a little bit, a lot of bit, about evangelism. I know for me, if I think about evangelism, I think about uh, going into a restaurant and talking to people about the Lord. It's going to be Carl Roberts. Uh, I uh, have 
grown up under him, but now uh, he's been retired for a few years, and now I get to uh, kind of work alongside of him, and he gets to mentor me at different uh, levels. So I want to ask you, Carl, you just, can you tell me a little bit about your background? Your, I know we have a lot of similarities, but tell, tell me your story. Well, uh, as a young man, I gave my life to Jesus Christ in 1950. That was uh, at eight years of age. And uh, uh, during that period of time, I just knew I wanted to serve the Lord. I didn't know it would be as a minister or anything, but uh, from the very beginning, uh, I had seen ministers and I had seen evangelists and missionaries, and my parents had them over to the house, and I always was amazed at them and, and uh, had a lot of respect for them. And, uh, and I always thought, man, I could never do that. Uh, but uh, in 19... 58, I had plans to go to Purdue University at that particular point, but we had a revival meeting, and uh, I was given two passages of Scripture. Uh, one of them was Joshua 24, uh, 15, where it says, uh, for me and my house will serve the Lord. That's the last part of it. He said, you can serve the gods of uh, the yeah. Egyptians and serve the gods, of, but for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And the other one was, of course, was Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20 which is the Great Commission. And uh, I've never really veered away from those two passages of scriptures. I preached that sermon, had, had opportunity to preach for uh, 10 minutes, and uh, two of us young men uh, got up to preach, and uh, he had his done in five, and so I took his time too. <laughs> and uh, of course, sure, those, both of those passages of scripture gave you plenty of uh, things to talk about. And uh, so the Great Commission of going into all the world and making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that Jesus Christ commanded, uh, is sort of my theme. And yeah. then the other part is I'm gonna, I'm gonna serve the Lord, and I, I want not only me to serve the Lord, but I also want my whole family to serve the Lord. It doesn't have to be in preaching or evangelism or that type of thing. So when you start out with the Great Commission, well, evangelism is something that's just going to happen, all right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I remember uh, my home minister, Larry Schnauz, took me out calling, and uh, and he knocked on the door, and a person opened the door, and he said, I'm Larry Schnauz, how do you do, Jesus? <laughs> and I thought you had to sing in order to uh, uh, evangelize. <laughs> singing. But, yeah, uh, so uh, I thought, oh, man, I don't know whether I can do this or not. Uh, but in high school, I began to talk to my friends about Jesus, and uh, I wish I'd have known as much then as I do now about talking to people about Jesus, but I probably baptized the first person into Christ when I was uh, 17 years of age. Wow. He was one of my friends, and uh, uh, back in those days, we didn't have a baptistry, so we baptized him in a, uh, a gravel pit. And, nice. And, uh, and I thought that was pretty neat. And uh, so in my plans to uh, go to Purdue University, I preached that sermon. And it sort of converted me to say, Carl, you ought to go try this. And uh, if you can make it, uh, maybe that's what the Lord wants you to do. And so I went to Lincoln Christian College back in uh, 1960. And uh, while I was doing that, uh, I became a youth minister in Ollie, Illinois, and uh, worked with a lot of young people. And as I look back, uh, there was about 20 young people that we baptized into Christ Jesus. and. Uh, Ten of those went to Lincoln Christian College uh, wow. just because, you know, a young guy, preacher, and they thought, well, we'll, well let's just do that. And uh, several of them became ministers, and some of them didn't, of course. They went for a year or two and, 
and got a little deeper into the Lord and then went off to do the things that they were doing. And uh, what it proved to me at that particular point is you don't have to be too sharp to evangelize. All you have to do is just love the Lord and uh, know the scriptures. And uh, uh, so uh, whenever you're talking to them and if, you, if, they, if you're living it with them, it becomes uh, uh, pretty easy. When it, was, when it was with a high school age and junior high age people, uh, we played ball together. We just did all kinds of things together. You're pretty much the same age as them, just a few years older, Just right? a few years you older. You were still yeah. in college during that yeah, time? Yeah, I was uh, probably at that point 19 years old, and some of them were 17 and 18. Uh, and uh, I really didn't have a whole lot of technique at that particular point, but uh, we'd start talking about what the Scriptures have to say, and, and they'd say, couldn't we be baptized? And I'd say, yes. <laughs> cool. And so... Uh, uh, that wasn't too hard. It seemed like the Lord was bringing the people to me, and, and the Holy Spirit was doing a lot of good work, and I happened to be there at the time he was doing it. And at the same time I was at Olney, Illinois, as a youth minister, I began to preach at a little church out in the country. And the first Sunday we were there, there was uh, uh, seven people that showed up. And uh, uh, in about a year and a half, we had around 70 people going to the wow. church. And uh, mainly it was just because you love the Lord and the Holy Spirit's doing great things, and anything the Holy Spirit's doing, I want to get involved because yeah. that's going to be powerful and that's going to uh, uh, be successful. Of course, what is successful? Well, you just let the Lord know. You know, He'll tell you what successful is. And so, uh, I graduated from Lincoln Christian College, and fortunately, I met a young lady that uh, wanted to be a preacher's wife, and uh, I asked her to marry me, and she said no. Uh, in fact, she never did say yes. She said, no, I want to graduate from college first. And that made me think more so. And uh, so I married uh, Sharon Jackson and made a Roberts out of her. And uh, that was an awfully important point of my ministry, was uh, getting a wife that wanted to be a preacher's wife and already knew that it, it isn't as fancy and it isn't as popular as you might think, that it's just hard work. And uh, so she's been a, a good mate in that whole thing. And so if I were a young uh, man, I would probably try to find me someone that uh, could be your partner. And uh, Sharon has been that to me now for 48 years. So how years. many? 48? 48. Okay, so you're pretty high up there at the wedding dances. You got to... Oh, man, I, I hate wedding dances. You got to stay up there for I start, a long time. I start winning them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I really don't want to win them. I'm not much of a dancer anyway, but, uh, uh, you know, when they do one of those, uh, I've won a couple here recently, and I think maybe I shouldn't go out there. I, a little embarrassing to me to, to be the last one out there dancing all by yourself. Yeah. Well, they like, I love, uh, whenever, I've only done a couple weddings, but I always love to mention, you know, it's not your first year, it's your last year's that, that really matter, that 50th anniversary, and you guys are coming up on that, and mm -hmm. uh, we'll probably talk about this later, but Sharon's still doing tons of ministry alongside of you. Oh, yeah, well, uh, in fact, now it's a point, I just have to work hard to still keep up with her. She does. Yeah. She, she is always uh, going after it. Yeah, so. she, she loves the Lord. She, uh, she's not the evangelist, but she is the base for the evangelism that I do. And uh, uh, if I'm a little slow on that, she encourages me to get out there and do something on that. So I've got a, a good partner. That's always, that's always a good uh, thing to have is a wife. The Bible says that uh, when you're married to a, a, a good wife, that it is a, it's a wonderful and a precious thing. And so I have, oh, yeah. that's precious to me. Well then, in, uh, uh, I was uh, preaching there 
in a place called Calhoun, Illinois, and that's near some of those famous places down there like Bone yeah. Gap and Flat Rock and, and places that nobody knows. Those are pretty famous. Yeah. Southern yeah. Illinois. <laughs> yeah, Southern Illinois and clear out in the boonies. And I worked in American Machine and Foundry Company at that time. And uh, uh, that was an interesting story. I go into the American Machine and Foundry Company. This guy comes up to me, and I was a rather young-looking guy. And he says, I heard there was a minister coming in with you guys today. Did you see a minister? <laughs> And I said, no, no minister came in with me today. And uh, he said, oh, I'm a part of a, a church. I'm a deacon. And I, sometimes I use foul language and tell dirty stories. And then he says, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a youth minister at the Alney Christian Church. <laughs> we became very good friends. <laughs> and uh, uh, he helped me, and I helped him through that period of time. And, uh, but that was, a, that was a neat experience. That's when they say you're the only Jesus that somebody sees in the day. You, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're bringing the conviction. Yeah, well, you know. What, see, I realize I'm a sinner, and I'm saved by God's grace. And everybody else out there are sinners and can be saved by God's grace. And so I never look down on anybody because we're all really the same. We all put Jesus Christ on the cross. And so that, sometimes you've got to get over that. Uh, you know, you got to get over uh, not being able to talk to anybody about Jesus. You ought to be able to talk to anybody about Jesus, uh, whether they're poor, whether they're white, black, yellow, whatever their skin color is. Uh, basically, they still have the same needs we have. Yeah. Well, in uh, 1970 then, uh, I was thinking, well, maybe I, I will start preaching now. And uh, the Bendorf Christian Church uh, came to visit me, and, and uh, they were visiting some other guys, and they had this one guy that was really great. I'd love for the, the, him to be the preacher here. Uh, but at the time, they were $12,000 in debt, which was a lot of money back in those days. And so they wanted to get somebody they could afford, and that's they got me. They got you and 12000 <laughs> in debt. Man, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that we were 12000 in debt, but that was a lot of money back in those days. And, and uh, it ended up that bond program that we had. We got paid off two years ahead of time. Uh, that's so, good. So the Lord, you know, blesses uh, – animals and dumb preachers and so so uh uh you know uh, the lord has blessed me i think that i think if you walk humbly with the lord he'll do a lot of things and uh, uh while i was back there in uh, calhoun i had an evangelist that uh, came and says okay we're going to talk to people about jesus and he did it a couple times and next time he says now you're going to do it and uh, were you on the just street or going door to door? Or how were you? Uh, street, door to door, friends of people, just going and, around. Well, in the town of Calhoun, you can visit all the the houses in the town of Calhoun in one week. And uh, uh, so I visited all the houses in uh, in, uh, in the town of Calhoun. I played with all the kids that were in the area, <laughs> and so uh, the kids uh, kept saying, "Mom and Dad, we want to go to." The, to the Calhoun Christian Church. And uh, so I got a lot of people to come at that particular point just because their kids wanted to go and they were coming along. And so that helped was one of the things that helped the church grow. And so getting involved with people is awfully important. Billy Graham calls that winning a hearing. Okay, you got to be out there where the people are yeah. at. Uh, you, you need to be doing the things that uh, they enjoy doing, and uh, that gives you opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. So when you were young, you, I remember uh, some stories of you playing baseball and stuff when you first came to our church. And, you know, how did, did you make a point of doing that? Was that on purpose? Was that just because you were a normal dude? Or yeah. how, how, uh, how intentional were you on well, being relational? Uh, well, that, that's, being relational is awfully important, and I enjoy playing softball. It's not a matter I'm out there and can't do that. And uh, uh, 
that gives you an opportunity to talk to people about Jesus. Uh, also, it sort of happened sort of naturally and normally because I befriended these people. Uh, they started showing up at the Bentonville Christian Church, and uh, and it gives you an opportunity to talk to them about Jesus a little bit later. They well, what is this all about? Yeah. Well, uh, ask me what it's all about. I'll will tell you what it's all about. Okay, uh, even if I'm in a uh, grocery line and I see some opportunity to talk to them about who they are and that kind of thing, and I love it when they say, "But what do you do?" Okay, oh, yeah. that, that's that's opening to. Especially talk. when they're on an airplane. Airplane, yeah, when they're, when they're strapped down beside me. <laughs> uh, I know, though, that sometimes uh, when you talk to a person, they're just not ready at that particular moment. Yeah. And so uh, I never feel rejected. And In fact, I'm always amazed when I tell them about Jesus, they don't accept Jesus right off the bat. I'm sitting there thinking, man, here is a possibility for eternal life, and you just passed it up. And uh, uh, a lot of times I'll say, well, Lord, uh, if you ever want me to talk to those people again, give me another opportunity, and I will. And uh, but sometimes I say, well, uh, they're not going to be ready for quite a while, so I'm going to go talk to somebody that is ready. Yeah. And so if you keep your eyes open, you'll find the people that are ready to talk to you, uh, and then talk to you about Jesus. And uh, uh, I'm always ready to give a witness and a testimony for Jesus Christ, telling about His death, His burial, His resurrection of Jesus Christ. How important that believing in that is and how important it is to come to the point where you're saying, well, I'm ready to follow Jesus. And it always amazes me, even yet today, that when I talk to people about Jesus, they fall in love with Jesus and they want to follow Jesus Christ as their Savior. See, this whole thing really has to do with you be willing to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the Holy Spirit does the work. Uh, I think some preachers get to the point they think they do a lot of things. Oh, yeah. But it's not necessarily what you do, it's what the Holy Spirit does, and you just give them an opportunity. Uh, the, over there in uh, Romans 1.16, it says, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all those that believe, to the first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And of course, my Jewish brother, it took us 12 years to win him to Christ, but uh, uh, he'll say, oh yeah, but you've got to remember, it's Jews first. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, you know, my sister married a Jewish young man, and, and so there's an opportunity to talk to people about Jesus. And uh, so we need to get to the point, we just need to relax and understand that uh, if we have a Christian life, they're going to start asking about it. And when they're ready to ask about it, then we need to be ready to, to talk to them, uh, sometimes find their need. A need can be a way uh, that you win a, uh, a t chance to talk to people about Jesus. So explain that a little bit. So a need, a need is a way to explain yeah, uh, Jesus yeah. to somebody. How how have you you know seen that, done that, uh, yeah. developed some of that ministry need based? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, a lot of people have needs. Okay, when you're a preacher, they expect you to uh, to uh, be there when their kids are born. They expect you to be there uh, when they're in the hospital. They want you to be there when they're getting married. Uh, they want you to be there when they have a special event. Uh, or and especially if someone's dying, and yeah. uh, I'm not particularly excited about doing funerals, but it's a place where you can preach the gospel. And I've had people come up to me afterwards and say that they wanted to know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, on the other hand, uh, there can be needs. Uh, like a lot of times, we get involved in mission work, mm -hmm. and the people there are hungry. Uh, the people there need clothing. Uh, the people there just need someone to care for them and love them. And if you care for them and love them, they'll give you an opportunity to talk to you about Jesus. 
And again, man, you just find out how powerful the gospel is. Uh, these may be people who have no idea about uh, Jesus. They haven't gone to church much of their life, but not long, and they're saying, well, I want to be baptized. I want to start my Christian life now. Uh, I know on one occasion I had a gentleman stop by the church, and afterwards I, he said, I want to talk to you about being saved. And I found out that his mother had died in his arms, and he had been a drug salesman at the University of Northern Iowa, and uh, uh, he had had a background in, in the church, in the Catholic Church, but he had never given his life to Jesus Christ. And I didn't know him from the man of the moon, and, uh, but uh, I presented the gospel to him after the church service. My wife was over at the house getting food ready to eat, and, uh, and I said, well, what would hinder you from being baptized? He said, nothing. I said, well, when do you want it to? He said, right now. <laughs> so I called Sharon. I said, Sharon, uh, uh, hold the meal. Come on over. Uh, this person wants to be uh, baptized. His name was Phil Corum. And as he drove off, I said, oh, man, what have I just done? And uh, uh, within two years, he became one of our best Bible teachers. Really? Yeah, and, and it was amazing what the Holy Spirit was doing in that situation. And so you present the gospel. They believe the gospel. Jesus Christ accepts them. Uh, they have the Holy Spirit come into their life. And uh, I think when he looked at me, he said, well, you need to start when you're eight years old. It's going to take you quite a while. <laughs> and then, But there's other people that accept Jesus Christ, and they just can't put the Bible down, and uh, they become great witnesses and testimonies right away. And that guy's pendulum swung all the way from uh, a drug dealer to uh, the, a gospel preaching, teaching type guy. He's never had a Bible college education, but, man, he was great. He had a restaurant, and before the restaurant had opened each day, he'd have a Bible study. Wow. And, it, yeah, he, his restaurant was called Poco Loco, which means <laughs> slow, crazy. <laughs> and, I think that's one of my favorite things. I've, uh, you know, just been in ministry not too long now, but even to see uh, just a few testimonies of mm -hmm. just huge lives transformed, it, just yeah. see this pendulum swing and, that's so amazing for me. And one thing I get a lot with evangelism, they go, okay, you're, you're a preacher, you're a pastor, you're called mm -hmm. to do that by God, you've had the education, mm -hmm. but I'm just a normal congregation person, or I, I, I've, uh, I don't know my Bible that well. Mm -hmm. uh, they might have been in a Bible study a lot, but they just yeah. feel this um, need for tips or tricks or ways to evangelize. And what, what would you tell somebody that's saying, oh, I can't do that, that's not for me, or even say, you know, that's not my gift. Your gift is evangelism, Carl, that's not for me. What would you Well, Well, you you've got to allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly, the Scripture says, okay? And uh, I got it started early. My mother was always having me memorize this chapter or that chapter or verses that I would probably use one of these days. Uh, she didn't say she wanted me to be a preacher, but uh, in the back of her mind, and so... I could quote copious amounts of scriptures by the time I was 10 years old. Uh, and so uh, I still would like to see more scripture memorization in the uh, uh, younger age group because, mm -hmm. man, when you're seven, eight, nine years of age, you can learn a whole lot. Oh, yeah. And so uh, uh, now me memorizing scripture, oh, it's hard work. And, of course, a lot of people will relate to that. It's hard work. But uh, when you're young, it would be a good time to – to get into those scriptures, and uh, that's what I'd like to see maybe more in youth groups than the, than yeah. I do is is uh, people memorizing scripture. And of course, later on I said, "Oh, this is where you use that." <laughs> and once you have used it, to start to evangelize. Well, it becomes 
clearer and clearer to you all along. And you know, it's it's easy to do that when you use it time after time after oh, yeah. time. And uh, uh, I think uh, evangelist type people uh, just love to tell the old old story. Yeah. Okay, and it never gets gets it never gets old. And you're always still amazed that people listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ and they give their life to Jesus Christ. Um, I lived in a period of time when people were God-fearing. Uh, it's a little tougher right now. Uh, there's fewer people that are God-fearing people, and uh, oftentimes the Lord has to do something to get their attention. And so oftentimes it has to be talking to them of after they've had a divorce or after they were in an accident and someone was killed, one of their friends were killed. Those become opportunities then to talk to people about Jesus. And uh, I think that's probably one of the things that uh, I even need to do better is not miss the opportunities I have to talk to people about Jesus. I always am upset when I thought, man, I should have said something to that person back there, you know. People would think that's crazy, Carl. I've been, Uh I I think people think all you do is evangelize people, so they must not be around you that much. But, you know, even for you to say that, you know, that's, you're still striving to share the gospel with people. Yeah. And I'm hoping that probably it was that uh, the Lord says, well, not you, not with this person. You know, yeah, and, uh, and maybe you just planted that seed, or you you let them see what a Christian's like, or yeah, and so so you know, I I just realize that uh, it is the Lord's work, and I have the pleasure of being in, involved in it. Uh, of course, I went five years to a Bible college. Uh, I've got quite a bit of experience uh, in that type of thing. I go to uh, conventions and all that kind of thing to find the newest ways of. Uh, helping people uh, meet Jesus Christ. and Since I'm a retirement age, I, I ran into one here not too long ago. What you do is you go to a retirement village, gated village, and start a church in their uh, uh, activities rooms. Yeah. And uh, you don't necessarily say, well, we're members of the Christian Church, Church of Christ. You just say, let's all get together and worship. And uh, so you just preach to them out of God's Word. And really, uh, when we get to the point that we say, we're well, the Church of Christ, Christian Church, well, that has sort of made a denomination out of the thing. All we want to do is just belong to Jesus, his church. Yeah. That's what you want people to be a part of. And uh, uh, have I ever baptized somebody and they, they never became a part of the congregation uh, that I was in? Yes, I, I've done that. Why? Because we're adding them to Jesus Christ Church, and some of them then have moved to other places. We had one couple move to Carvina, California, start a church there. That church running 5,000 in wow. attendance today, okay? Uh, I uh, baptized a couple that uh, uh, went up to uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota area, and uh, they were instrumental in starting a church there. I love talking to chiropractors because they're probably not going to stick around here. They're going to go someplace else, and if we train them right, they'll be able to. Yeah, so we got a big chiropractic school, Palmer College of Chiropractic, Mm -hmm. and they go all over the world here in the Quad Cities where we're at. So uh, making them a part of our congregation— that's important, okay, but more important to get them in, uh, involved with Jesus Christ. Even if they don't attend the Bentonville Christian Church, uh, if we do the right training, uh, they'll be uh, uh, good for the Lord. Uh, as I grew older here at the Bentonville Christian Church, I've been here for around 44 years, and uh, that was an interesting thing. I didn't really think I'd be around here that long, <laughs> but uh, uh, you just keep doing what the Lord wants you to do. and. Uh, Every once in a while, you have an opportunity to go preach someplace else, but usually uh, you're so involved in something that takes faith to do it. And as a pastor, you have to be there with the sheep to see them through it. 
and it seemed like nobody wanted me whenever I was not working so hard <laughs> or we weren't in trouble as far as finances are concerned and that kind of thing, uh, that uh, uh, I, I had an opportunity to go to uh, a church near St. Louis, but I couldn't tell whether it was the St. Louis Cardinals calling me or the Lord. <laughs> and I figure if I didn't know the difference, I probably ought to stay at the Vendor Christian Church. Hopefully nobody turns us off for your cardinal love yeah, and bias, well, those Cub fans. But Yeah, well uh, – what I like, what I like is the Lord calls me right in the middle of a, a, a St. Louis Cardinal baseball game, and I know what's more important yeah. to do what do what the Lord wants you to do, and I uh, may have wanted to watch. Well, whenever they won the World Series in uh, 2011, I was leading a group of people in Israel, and the people in Israel didn't even know what baseball was, <laughs> and so so uh, I, I'm always glad the Lord calls me, and I can prove that. The Lord's more, way more important to me than any baseball team or any basketball team. And, uh, uh, you know, if I were to talk to any of those people, we'd talk to them about Jesus, and a lot of them already know Jesus. Yeah. And so uh, that's exciting. I, I, it's really not important what baseball team you're a part of. It's important to be a team of the Lord, and uh, uh, that's one of the nice things about the Ventnor Christian Church is it seemed like that whenever we had a need for a certain type of person, they would show up about that time. Oh yeah, yeah. And so you would plug them in, and and uh, because of the church grew through all of all of that, uh, and it's exciting to see new churches start. We started six other congregations during the time that I was here. We went from about ninety people in attendance to were uh, right around eight hundred people that attend uh, on a regular basis at this point. And uh, uh, and the thing about it is, is if you if you step back and look, you can just see God working all over the place. Oh, yeah. And like I said, if I see God working, I want to get in there because we're going to be successful Oh yeah. if he's doing something. So let me interject a little bit because I want to steer the conversation and kind of, I want to, well, I just heard you say, you know, I wasn't planning on staying here that long, but obviously God called you and and allowed you to be at a ministry for, Mm -hmm. you know, for uh, 40 plus years plus. You're still here serving, loving. Mm-hmm. You're retired. What that means is now you get to do whatever ministry you want. You're still just as involved, I feel like. You mm-hmm. still preach at a church and still faithfully serving in ministry. How has living in a community for over 40 years uh, allowed you to build relationships and influence a, a city? Mm-hmm. This podcast is called Renewing Our City, and I think a lot of, a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers just – try to build their way up the ladder and they don't love the city or the people that mm-hmm. they minister to I would say even a foreign missionary you go to a different country how have you loved this city and mm-hmm. tried to influence it build relationships yeah. and how has that affected your evangelism well you know after really you haven't done really got to work at a church until you spent five years in the area when you spend five years in the area you will raise your kids in the area and so you'll know the uh, dads and moms of the schools that you are in, and uh, you get involved with them and uh, uh, PTA and all that kind of yeah. thing. Your kids get involved in uh, athletics, and you meet the other people that are in athletics. And uh, uh, I loved attending uh, anything that Bettendorf was doing as far as basketball, football, track, and those kind of things. And because of it, then you just you meet the people and. and and it didn't take long to fall in love with the people in Bettendorf. And uh, uh, I'm not a very shy person. And so uh, nope. <laughs> if, I, uh, if I see somebody that I think, the Lord would maybe want me to talk to this person, I'll sit down and talk to them about 
Hawkeyes. I'll talk to them about Bettendorf. Uh, I may know that they've had a problem, and it's amazing. If you want to ask somebody to pray, can you pray with them? If they're in need, they have no problem allowing you to pray with them. And uh, uh, so you get to the point you know them. I've uh, uh, got to meet the uh, chief of police in unusual ways, and I've got to, uh, uh, you know, I know the mayor uh, uh, because he was a little boy that uh, was being raised while I was here and knew his dad and knew the family. And, in fact, uh, his brother was one of my son's best friends. They played on uh, the same football team with each other and that type of thing. So you get to experience these multi-generations of people, and Mm -hmm. you see their kids and grandkids raise up. And Yeah, I'm starting to do weddings for grandchildren of some of the people that I did weddings for. And uh, but all of those give you an opportunity to talk to people about Jesus. And uh, uh, you know, um, whenever you're a minister, that's the neat thing about being a minister is they expect you to do something religious. And I'm not good at bingo, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we I just talk to them about Jesus, or they'll 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 say, "Well, minister, here's here's the situation we're involved in. What does the Lord say about that?" And after you're all around for a while, they start asking those kind of things, and. Uh, also, they start honoring you, okay? And sheesh, that's always embarrassing. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, you've been around long enough that uh, uh, the mayor one time nominated me to be the outstanding minister in the state of Iowa. Wow. And uh, uh, I, I was completely unworthy of that. But uh, so a lot of people got to know that. Uh, some of the service clubs uh, would uh, honor me by doing that and the other. And, and I. Being honored is not much to, but it gives me an opportunity to get to know more people. Yeah, I remember growing up, uh, this was, you've been a minister a long time, but when I was in elementary school through high school, I remember going to the football games and you would always sit in the very front middle, uh, right right in that middle section, right, and our youth pastor was bark like a dog, <laughs> but you guys were some of the biggest fans and right there in the middle. And that always, as a kid, I wasn't sitting by you guys, but it made a huge impact uh, when I was thinking about how to be a minister is you need to be right amongst the people. Mm-hmm. You were never separated in this separate subset yeah. of Christians, but you were amongst the people really like a regular person, but you were a mm-hmm. shining light in the midst of that. And that, was, that really spoke so much to me. You know what I liked about the, fo- the football game, though, was before the football game, halftime, and after the football oh, game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I may have been sitting there, one, but I would be going – uh, along in the uh, I remember the audience there, uh, and uh, seeing people that I had just maybe started a little relationship, sit down and talk to them a little bit, uh, and uh, usually, if you're a Bettendorf fan, you get to see a lot of w- winning games. Oh, yeah. So it's always been a a uh, positive uh, atmosphere, and so they begin to uh, relate to you as something that happens in a positive atmosphere. And, of course, that's one of the things you try to do at the church is make sure that when people come uh, that you know them and you care for them and you try to get them plugged in t- to, to the church there. Uh, I tell you, though, now that I'm a retired uh, minister, uh, I'm really excited about the Bentonville Christian Church now. Uh, of course, one of the things that makes me excited is Matt here and uh, some of the work that he does in outreach. We're doing a lot of things in the area of, of helping young people that are in the uh, primary school age uh, in the west side of Davenport. Yeah. Very needy people. But what that need is, it's a need that you fulfill and you win uh, the ability to talk to them about Jesus. 
and uh, there's a whole group of people down there that really need to know about Jesus. Uh, they are either going to be probably become criminals, or they may become some of the great ministers in the future. Yeah. Yeah, they, they'll have a great testimony. You, you were talking about uh, what if you don't know all the scriptures? Well, it's really pretty easy to, uh, to do because of the fact that you can start by just getting your testimony. This yeah, is that was going to be my last question. Yeah. Is, you know, how, how would you encourage somebody to share the gospel? Or how, what's a, yeah. a great way? So share your testimony might be yeah. the first thing. Yeah. Well, what share, does that mean? To, how would you tell people to say that? Well, you tell what leads up to the point where uh, you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Well, my uh, is not necessarily that exciting uh, uh, as far as that's concerned. I was raised in uh, several generations of Christians, and uh, my mother was a great Christian lady. My dad uh, was a deacon in the church and all of that type of thing. And uh, they were adventuresome people. And, and uh, then I had ministers that would uh, take me with them on several different things. Uh, but you can start with that. Uh, basically, I didn't necessarily have a, what you call one of those great testimonies that once I was a great sinner and now I'm uh, a person who uh, uh, has changed my whole life. Okay? And, uh, but... Uh, what you do is you, because you've been able to live the Christian life for a while, people can see you living the Christian life, and probably what they see may be more important than what they hear. I remember we had a guy by the name of Lil Han that was a member of the church, and people would actually come and say to me, what is it that Lil Han has? <laughs> we love him. He's, he's a great guy. And then I, that gave you the opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. Whenever you talk to them, uh, somewhere along the line they have to understand that they are sinners, and we all are. I don't yeah. ever say, point my finger and say, you're a sinner. I say, we all have come short of the glory of God. And, uh, and somewhere along the line, it says, does that mean I'm a sinner? Oh, they like to say, oh, yeah, you're a sinner. Yeah. yeah well, I am, and uh, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I'm saved by his grace. Then they know that the wages of sin is death. Okay, we talk about that. We went from Romans 3.23 to Romans 6.23, and, uh, uh, and all of us deserve to... Uh, to have hell as part of our life. But the last part of that scripture says uh, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then I begin to introduce them to Jesus Christ. Nice thing about being in America, most everybody knows about Jesus Christ. Although uh, probably I've run into more that don't know about Jesus Christ here in the last few years, hmm. people who have never been to church and uh, the nice thing about them never being in church, they don't have any uh, no baggage. No baggage about this happened to me at the church or that happened. Yeah, well, Christians, we're all sinners. And so uh, no matter what church you go to, you're going to find people that are immature in a Christian life and they're going to do things that uh, are not quite Christian. And one of the ones that don't live for Jesus Christ makes it a little harder to, to give the gospel. But then uh, I talked to them about the fact that. Uh, uh, they need their sins forgiven, and that's a possibility, and that comes through by having faith in Jesus Christ. And I'll ask them, what do you th who do you think Jesus Christ is? And uh, oftentimes by that time, I've taught them enough that they'll say, well, he's the Christ, the Son of the living God. And uh, that's calling, called confe confessing Jesus Christ. Jesus said over in Matthew 10, uh, 33 and 34, whosoever confessed me before men, him will I also confess before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him will I also deny before my Father in heaven. So having people not to the point that they believe it, but they can say it, 
and, and uh, mean it is awfully important because that's when they're beginning to start turning. Uh, and probably one of the most important things as far as a person's salvation is the area of repentance. You're heading along in life doing what you want to do yeah. and uh, probably you mess up things pretty bad uh, along the way. And then you tell them that you need to follow Jesus, and that's when they turn and start following Jesus. I usually uh, have them confess, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, and I take him as my Lord and Savior. Well, that means he's going to become the boss of your life, yeah. okay? And uh, I think sometimes it's difficult, especially when I was young, there was lots of, you don't do this and you don't do that. I just found out if you do what the Lord wants you, you don't have time to worry about don't do this and don't do that. But uh, uh, when I decide to follow Jesus, that's probably one of the most important moments. Uh, right after that, you're going to ask them to be baptized for the remission of sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and start their uh, newness of life. When we baptize somebody, uh, here's a person that uh, has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, and that's an awful big part. You've got to have faith. With, you can't have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord, according to Hebrews 11th chapter. But when they're baptized, they go down, and when they come up, they're going to be a new creature. Now they're followers of Jesus Christ. Now they've been born again. And that celebrates that being born again, oh, yeah. that water baptism does. Dunking people in water, that's a lot of fun at the swimming pool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But uh, what a person doing is they're making a commitment that once I followed myself or once I followed a gang member or once I followed uh, uh, a group of people, but now I've decided to follow Jesus. And uh, I think that as you mature and grow, you begin to understand that more and more and uh, you I'm still giving my life to Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, uh, all of our life, there's these things that's involved in our life that uh, we have to say, okay, now I've got to get over this. I've got to make sure that my thinking is proper. Uh, I've got, you know, uh, somebody said, well, you've been a Christian for that long. Well, it's a, that's a continuing process. I'm glad that uh, whenever we uh, go to heaven, we get new bodies and, we, and, uh, and new ways of thinking and the whole yeah. thing. Um, new so, creatures. <laughs> new creatures, yeah. Man, I love I love just hearing you share the the storyline of really the the good news of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and what He does to transform mm-hmm. our lives. And mm-hmm. I think for the listeners, what what I want them to hear from from Carl here, I want I want them to hear from you. It's all about Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's not about all all this extra stuff. But when mm-hmm. people, what they need to hear is they need to hear the message of Jesus, mm-hmm. and that we don't need to get into this whole. All this extra stuff that can come, but yeah. I know when I talk to people, they always want to go uh, towards, well, how old is the Earth, or what about this political issue? And they mm-hmm. try to they try mm-hmm. to sabotage sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. And it seems like to me, you're sticking to Jesus in mm-hmm. that message. Yeah, well, you you get there, you get to that as often as possible. Okay, sometimes you do have to yes uh, answer their question, and uh, but. Uh, you get right back to the, what you're talking about. When I'm uh, doing an evangelistic meeting, uh, oftentimes people will do that, and I'll say, well, you know what? After I'm through talking to you about Jesus, we'll talk about that. Yeah. And, and, and that, what that does is puts us right back to talking about their relationship to the Lord. They're getting uncomfortable. All of a sudden they realize they're sinners, uh, and they're getting a little embarrassed that they are sinners, and, and Satan is just doing everything he can do to keep them from following Jesus. And if you can just keep straight on telling them about Jesus and what they need to do to be saved, what they need to be do to be added to the church uh, of Jesus Christ, uh, somewhere along the line, the Holy Spirit says, well, we've won this victory. Get out of here, Satan. And they 
make that decision for Jesus. And sometimes they laugh and sometimes they cry. Sometimes they get pretty sober about the whole thing. And uh, a lot of them after they're baptized, uh, big smile on their face. I've had a few of them yell hallelujah, uh, (laughs) several different things. I've had them hug me after that. And there's quite a bit of joy when they realize their sins have been forgiven. Uh, Everything that's happened in their past has been set aside and now they're new creatures. And they have all this hope that they're going to be great in the Lord, okay? And then, of course, Satan will start working on them a little bit later, and you have to tell them, you are great in the Lord. Because of God's grace, God looks at you as a pure and holy and sinless person, even though we aren't. That's God's grace yeah. and mercy. He says, I'm not going to hold my, my, your, uh, your, your sins against you. And you confess to him, I did this. And he says, I don't remember that. He, he said, I'll not remember your sins anymore. And uh, that's a good thing to know. Because as you're walking along, you are going to fall, and you're going to have to get back up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but you're still that new creature. You're still striving to be like Jesus. I think as long as you're striving to be like Jesus, uh, you're going to grow and you're going to mature. I remember – I'll turn it a little more personal Mm because I don't – the audience, you know, doesn't know this, but my parents uh, came to the Bedenorf Christian Church uh, under Carl's direction, and they were kind of wishy-washy. Uh, they they were checking it out. My parents were uh, diff- from two different denominations, and so they kind of decided on the middle. And they said, "Hey, we'll check this church out." And uh, they were they were sporadically coming. And they had my my fr- my older sister Sarah, and my mom was just telling me about this the other day when I said I was going to interview you. And she she said uh, Sarah was born, and right in the middle at the end of, not in the middle at the end of service, you said. Well, Shaw's come on up here, and we're going to dedicate that baby to the Lord. And they weren't members yet, and uh, my dad wasn't ready to give his life to the Lord and get baptized. And uh, right after that moment, uh, you dedicated that child, and you told you asked them, are they going to commit their life to the Lord? And from that moment, my dad committed his life. They got baptized right after there, and the rest is history. And mm-hmm. you know, I came along later, and I I do love your your extremely relational. You you you. Uh, you try to love on people and meet their needs. Mm-hmm. Also, I you know even in that story, you call people out and and you 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 have them make a decision. What's your decision? What are you going to do? And mm-hmm. I know I could go on probably for an hour of all these stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got some other funny stories when I pre- I preached my first sermon here. Uh, I went about 15 minutes over on Saturday night, and Carl, you came up to me and you go. Probably won't be able to preach here anymore if you keep going that long. <laughs> I was I was uh, pretty immature. I, I uh, I've learned a lot since. Yeah. Hopefully, I'm he, getting a little better. But yeah, he's getting a lot better. Yeah, Man. and and ex- experience is so important. But the neat thing about it is, Matt, is the Lord's going to use you. <laughs> oh yeah. Even at at, at not maybe the mature level you're going to get one of these days. I figured since you're in the audience, you need to hear a little bit more because you're used to being oh, the preacher. I got oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got, a, got a prime prospect out there they're talking to, and they're talking to that Carl Roberts. Yeah, that Carl guy, man. No, I think, uh, I think you're always, you're always uh, supportive of me and challenged me. And mm-hmm. I, I know you said you've been honored, but really my family uh, has been changed by Jesus' life and, and through you working. And, uh, Praise the Lord. Many faithful years of... Uh, serving the Lord, so I really appreciate that. And really, you've been a probably one of the biggest role models in my life yeah. to to 
to become a minister myself. Mm -hmm. I remember watching my baptism video right when camcorders came out. It's on the, one of the big honking video VHS <laughs> tapes back in the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, you pr got done preaching the sermon, and met little eight-year-old, so we're the same. December 15th, I uh, uh, it's coming up, so I got my anniversary baptism anniversary. But you got up there and preached another about 15-minute sermon. My dad was getting ready to baptize me, and you... Uh, went on and on just about families and faithfulness and how how uh, I'm going to be serving the Lord someday and now I'm here doing that and I watched that probably a couple of years ago and it's so funny I go man this guy loves the Lord and uh, he really uh, claimed that over my life when I was uh, just a young boy you know probably uh, a good thing to wrap this up with would be this there's two great commandments and the first one is to love the Lord God with all of your heart mind soul and strength and then love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's three loves that's there. But, uh, and then Jesus goes on and he say, you get that right, you're probably gonna have everything else right. And uh, uh, so I'm commanded to love people. And then I got this other part, I actually like people. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, when you love and like people, uh, they, they'll be ready to listen at some point or the other. You just need to be ready when the, the time comes. So how long was your average sermon when you were, uh, when you're, when you preach? Oh, somewhere between 20 to 35 minutes. Because uh, we just hit 45 minutes, so let's be done right here. I appreciate you coming on the show, Carl, but 45-minute sermon right there. You're, we got it done. So, man, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, and blessing our audience with Th your wisdom. Thank you, man. I, I sure appreciate you. And uh, really looking forward to what's going to happen in your life. I hope, hope I live for a long time just so I can see what happens <laughs> in Matt Shaw's life. Cool. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, Carl, so much for being on the show. And uh, there you have one of my mentors and somebody I look up to greatly. A uh, little bit of insight on our conversation. I uh, hope you benefited as much as I did because that was just a phenomenal time for me to sit down. And I just love that you can uh, share that with me. I wanted to give a couple uh, points on the interview that I really thought just stuck out to me. And that as I was listening to it again, just really I benefited benefited from. And the first one is the importance that Carl really stresses on working with Sharon, his wife, to minister alongside him. I know just watching them, they work so well together. I know that uh, Sharon does a lot of the behind the scene work while Carl is sharing uh, Jesus with others, but both of them work together as a team. And I know as my uh, my own life, I'm trying to figure out ways that my wife and I can minister together. How can we do things with our children, with our family, and really be able to share Jesus as a family with others? I know whether it's serving somebody or whether it's the the families at my daughter's preschool, we just have so many opportunities where we are a couple and we are really a better team uh, together. And I know God places uh, us together. I was just doing premarital counseling with a couple and it's just so amazing to see how God places a family together and how we both need each other to complement one another. And in your ministry, whether whether you're a professional pastor or you're a missionary or just somebody that works a job, you can do ministry alongside your spouse. And I think so much uh, can be missed if we don't focus on sharing Jesus with our, our spouse, whether a husband or wife for you. 
listening. Also, the second thing I really uh, just picked up on is as Carl was sharing his story, he was talking about being a young pastor. And it was so amazing because he had many mentors in his life. I never realized that. I never picked up on that. But it sounded like he had everywhere he went, somebody that was going to take him along. I remember the guy in the story that took him along door to door was singing and, uh, Carl thought that's how he had to do it, but he was learning right alongside that man, that pastor that was teaching him. And I think for you, whether you uh, need to have a mentor or you are a mentor, that is such a crucial point that we need to learn from those that go before us. This is such a a big thing for if you're a young pastor or if you're a, a young person that you need to be finding those that are very mature in the faith. Go up to them at church and ask them if you can go along with them to do ministry. I know for our elders at our church, they do hospital visits and communion to shut-ins on the weekends on Sunday after service. And that's such a great way for them to take alongside a young guy and train them up on how to do ministry. That's just a thought, uh, but make sure you're taking people alongside just uh, just like Carl had in his life. And I know he does that with me and many others as well. The last thing is I just love how he just shares it so simply of building relationships to share Jesus. He quotes so much scripture and it's just so amazing because building relationships to share Jesus is just the way that you need to do it. It's easy to be able to have that time when we're not going to necessarily be in relationship with somebody, but I really see from Carl's life a great example of how you build relationships, you have much time to be able to wait people out for their hearts to be right, and then you, at that moment you can share Christ with them and they receive Christ, and it's just an amazing opportunity to be able to do that. If we can build relationships with our neighbors, with our friends, even with your family if you're distant from your family, Really working on that relationship so that you can be there for them and knowing the scriptures so you can walk them through that is just a great way. In the show notes, I'm going to be putting all the scriptures that Carl mentioned, but just be make sure you're in the Word of God so that you know the scriptures to be able to share with people and memorizing those as you are evangelizing. Well, I can't believe it, but another episode down of the Renewing Our City podcast. If you want to head over to my blog at pastormattshaw.com forward slash 005, you can find all the show notes to this episode as well as answer this question in the comments. I would love for you to leave a comment and answer this question. Who do you know that needs to hear Jesus' message? Really, you can share their first name in the comments as well as a little information about the situation. And I and the other listeners of this show will be able to be praying for you this week to have the opportunity to share Jesus and that their heart will be open to listening. You know, you can check all the episodes of the Renewing Our City podcast at RenewingOurCity.com. You can find links and other helpful information mentioned throughout this show. Connect with me on Twitter and Facebook at Pastor Matt Shaw. And you can use the hashtag RenewingOurCity there as well. Thank you, Carl, so much for being on this show. You inspire me greatly. Also, thank you, listener, for being on the show and spending all this time. You know, have a blessed week.